0: Did you know that it's illegal in the majority of U.S. states to transport injured law enforcement canines in an ambulance or for EMTs to administer life-saving treatments? This week, we talk about a proposed Massachusetts bill that aims to correct this oversight and some of the pros and cons of this type of legislation, this week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. back to the Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And this week, we've got a tough topic for sure, and it may not seem like that on the outset, but I think as we discuss it further, you're going to see that sometimes the most well-intentioned bills and regulations and actions can have some unintended consequences. Before we get into that conversation, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward.
1: And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser.
0: And Becky, we've got a really interesting conversation to have with the viewfinders today. And, you know, just to sort of sum it up, maybe give the Cliff's Notes version of what is just breaking in Boston.
1: Well, I think this is pretty awesome, but there's a whole lot to it. Basically, a bill has been picked up by the House that was introduced uh, that would allow first responders to treat and transport injured police dogs, to veterinary hospitals as long as there was, uh, of course, no injured humans needing care or transport. This um, bill, it's important to say, um, it's called Nero's bill and it's named for the canine partner of Slain Yarmouth Police Sergeant Sean Gannon. Um, Officer Gannon was fatally shot in 2018, um, unfortunately, while he was serving a arrest warrant and his uh, canine companion, his canine partner Nero, was also shot. And um, unfortunately, because of the current laws in Massachusetts, the EMTs were not able to transport Nero or to treat him or to provide him with any kind of life-saving care. Um, He was transported in the back of a police cruiser, and he did survive. But um, in honor of Sergeant Sean Gannon, they are trying to um, streamline and facilitate care for canine officers when this situation happens.
0: Yeah. And so on the outset, viewfinders, that's awesome. Right. So if a police officer dog is shot in the line of duty, this means that ambulances can transport them to an animal hospital or even initiate some life-saving measures in the field. In this particular case, they couldn't do anything. They felt like uh, the law was binding them to just sort of sit back passively and watch Nero perhaps die. So I think it's a good response. But there's a lot of questions that I have. Uh, Hit me. (laughs) There's a
1: lot of questions, right? (laughs) There's a whole lot. And always I'm like, where are the veterinarians?
0: Right. And so the first thing is like, who trains the EMTs? That would be the first question I have at the outset. So this, the transport part I've got, no brainer, right? Just do it. But the treatment part, okay, is there a veterinarian oversight? Do they call in a vet hospital and get, you know, because Becky, I mean, like if you're being transported in a hospital by a human ambulance, they're in close contact with the the hospital, right? They're talking to attending physicians and they're saying, okay, give them this drug or try that or whatever, right? And will that happen in this situation for animals?
1: Yeah, I think that's kind of the most important thing, right? I have been in the emergency room and had uh, canine officer's be brought in without any notice. Super jarring, right? It is absolutely one of the scariest things that we deal with, I think, in the emergency hospital. I think everybody feels that way when it comes to um, service animals of any kind. So when we see a canine officer that's injured, it, it is an all-hands-on-deck, and we are very concerned. And It is usually um, extensive injuries. That's sort of the point that they're, they're bringing up in the bill, is that these animals are, one, there to serve the public, but two, are exposed to a higher level of danger between guns, narcotics, and explosives than most um people or other pets. But like you said, the hospital has the information that they're incoming when it's a human and they're they're preparing on their end and they're starting you, you know, to to communicate with the EMTs about what to do to stabilize. So I think it's very important to consider what does that look like um f- for receiving these animals on our end.
0: Yeah. And so so again, I would think the first thing that we need to do is say, A, these ENTs are going to go some kind of basic training, right? Because the last thing we want is for them to inadvertently injure an already injured police officer dog. I think, Becky, they should at least have some basic, you know, hey, here's the veins that we hit. You know, here's the type of fluids that we push. I mean, I, I do worry that sometimes, you know, the details are actually what make this impactful.
1: You know, if I find another interesting thing that kind of hits me in, is, um, you know, I've talked with lots of human medical care professionals who are like, oh, I could never do animals.
0: Mm, I, right. I don't
1: think that EMTs, like, I don't know, maybe, but I, I don't think everybody loves animals the way we do and we forget that. And so now, you know, what happens when the EMT doesn't want to touch the dog? They're scared of the dog. What happens when they're getting bit and chewed up by the dog because they have... Haven't been t- taught proper restraint, and now you have a hurt, scared dog, and they're trying to poke it or something and separate it from the officer. Like, there's so much like behavior and restraint and treatment option, you know, measures that go into this, um, and then in the liability of such, and then fact of the matter is, is like, do they even want to? Like, are are you as an EMT now going to be forced to be trained in you know, some forms of animal medicine and anatomy and care and be like, frankly, I, I don't want to touch a dog. That would freak me out. I I, I don't want to touch a person. I'm definitely going to be looking around for somebody else to help. You know what I mean? It's worst case scenario for me. I think I would suck it up and do it, though. But um, like I think about it in terms of like, what if I came across a drug addict who was covered in vomit and, you know, it was in really bad shape and like like I mean I'm you know, we all think like worst case like best case scenario, you're being a good Samaritan, but like I can think of a lot of scenarios I would not want to touch a human being and I wonder how the EMTs feel about this.
0: I think this is a great idea. I just think we need to get the details dialed in. And so the first part of this bill is the transportation. And and really, it was sort of shocking to me, Becky, to find out that in massachusetts that it was illegal to transport any animal in a human ambulance i'm saying human ambulance like there's a pet ambulance but there are a few of those around the country but you know what i'm saying becky like right there it seems like well wow that and honestly it sounds like in this particular case with sergeant sean gannon and his dog nero like that was the biggest barrier to right they were going wow we can't even transport this dog yeah
1: yeah i agree and i'm kind of surprised because um Number one, I have zero clue what the regulations are in North Carolina. I guess I wouldn't know in any state, um, and I think that's interesting. So I would love it if our listeners know about regulation in their own states. It would be really interesting to know, does your state allow this or not? Does this happen regardless of legislation? I mean, I know that I have I have been in the emergency hospital and had emergency um, personnel, police, and, and EMTs bring animals in. Um, hit by cars, um, you know, accidents, uh, gunshots, multiple different things. And it never occurred to me, was that okay or not or legal or not? Like, I'm like, of course you're going to help the animal. But right. um, I also, I, I, oh, I don't want to sound really mean, but I'm kind of like, fire me. Like, I can't imagine standing by. Now, it, it also sounds like Nero was able to get into a police cruise. Like, I, I think if there right. was no care, they probably would have been like, forget it. We're helping, right? But there was... But I think it would have been more advantageous to have him where a, a vein, you know, patent vein could be obtained and we could maybe start to bolus some fluids or, or do things that we needed to do for care. So I'm I'm totally back. I know I'm all over the place here because I am back and forth on this because, one, I'm in full support. Two, I'm like, yes, but how? And three, right. I'm like, I can't imagine any other option. I wouldn't stand around and watch um, anything suffer, but it, you know, it sounds like they were able to get him to care. Um, it, it, the execution of this is going to be very interesting to see, but I'm interested to know what the regulations look like in other states.
0: Right. I think that's a really good point. The other thing too, Becky, is just the inadvertent cause of harm, right? So like if I were in a situation where there was a, some type of mass casualty event and I was called upon to like try to triage and care for humans, I mean, I might get a lot of it right. Like I might be able to say, okay, they're going to live the next 10 minutes or they're not going to. I might be able to get a vein. I might be able to push some, you know, IV fluids, but much beyond that, I'm going to be very uncomfortable. And I really wonder if these EMTs will have that lack of confidence as well. Does that make sense to you? So that sometimes, you know, they may either try something, give a drug that might be perfectly appropriate in a similar human situation that is completely inappropriate in in an animal situation and vice versa. Maybe they feel like, oh gosh, I don't know what to do. Therefore I do nothing. Um, and, and I think this is where training could really, I mean, if honestly, I just, am asking for them to join forces. Now, Becky, like you, you know, I've been called on by, by first responders and police over the years in the field to say, we've got this situation, what should we do? And I've been able to sort of talk through them on the phone, like try this or this or this. And this is basic stuff, right? This is like, check this, do that pressure, you know, whatever, yeah. uh, get, get, get a vein, you can do it in the front leg, you know, that kind of stuff. But um, the other hand, Becky, I've never like really, I, I can't think of a situation where I've ever pushed drugs, right? I've never said, oh, we'll try, you know, this to save the life. I think it would be really oh difficult, right?
1: Sure, right. And, and then where's the liability there? Right. You know, you, you don't have a, a patient, you know, we know this is life saving, but we also don't have any kind of VCPR. Uh, we don't have any kind of history. It is, it is obviously a really scary situation if we are going to be at that point point it giving meds and maybe that's not it right like maybe it's it isn't that and, and there isn't enough information and and to be fair i wonder and i have never in my life read a bill and i i doubt that i ever i will read a bill but th- how detailed is that spelled out in this bill? How, yes. how specific is it about what care can and cannot be provided? Um, and I think that that would be really important. And then two, I guess this might be a little, um, is, is this crazy, but what's occurring to me is like from a first responder point of view, like, again, you know, if my, if my sister tells me my niece is. 101, I think they're perfectly normal. Like I forget, like I have to remind myself that human numbers don't look like animal numbers. And so I wonder then if we're asking a lot of the EMTs to have parameters now for pediatrics and in geriatrics and then your average adult and then we're now introducing animals. Now, the other part of that is I think we're talking about something that is, is probably fairly once in a lifetime for most EMTs, right? Like I don't right. think this is happening right. every week and it it may or may not ever happen in their career. But now are we in a situation that because it's never going to really happen in their career when it does happen, they're as completely unprepared as they would have been. And now they're just, you know running for the ER. Um, I I don't know. I, 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 again, it's, it's a, it's really layered. I want these animals to get help. I want them to get it as soon as possible. Um, I, I highly recommend that there is somebody in every veterinary clinic who's trained in human CPR. So from a one health perspective, are we kind of moving into a crossover that we should have?
0: Right. And, and so the other thing too, Becky, that I, I've, this has been a long-standing concern of mine is that there are so many police departments across the country that don't have, at least in my opinion, adequate veterinary medical support for their service animals. And, and I think this maybe just highlighted that vacancy, that deficiency. And so, you know, I, I, look, I've been a long fan of saying, look, why don't we have like, why, why don't you like have on salary, on payroll, a veterinarian or a veterinary technician? Like that would be that would go a long ways. Right. So instead, what happens is we sort of rely on this personal network. Right. You know, where every county like has a vet that they sort of use. Yeah. Right. And right. that that hodgepodge means that, again, in a situation like this, they don't know who to call or turn to. They're rushing around. And, and you're right, Becky. I like what you said. This is probably a once in a lifetime or maybe it's a once in a year type of occurrence. But in those occurrences, the reality is, you know, we can do a much better job.
1: Okay, so same along that pipeline, this is making me think because I have done CPR and first aid with the Brunswick County Sheriff's Department sure. and the New Hanover in the past. Are we focusing on the wrong group of people here? Should it be that police officers and canine handlers should be trained in performing first aid and um, EMTs be, you know, able to transport by law, but not really so much worry about the EMT training aspect and, and um, you know, kind of constant development, so much as the police force who are probably going to be a lot more likely to encounter pets on a regular basis?
0: Ooh, I, I like that. I mean, and again, viewfinders, this is what we're saying. It's these details where we can tighten it up. The other thing too, uh, you know, Becky, does this somehow marginalize or diminish our authority, right? Does this somehow undermine our abilities? Because if you're, you know... I mean, I, I, I get it. That sounds terrible, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, why why was this bill not written to saying, hey, you know, we need to have a, an RBT on call 24-7 or something like that or DVM? Yeah,
1: you know, I honestly don't see – I see this as more as, like, room for everybody kind of thing. I see it as yes. actually looking yes. at the animals and saying, wow, we need to offer them – um you know more consideration than we have in the past and we need to respect their service and make sure that they they do have the care that they need at you know their disposal no matter what so that we can preserve their life so i think it is actually a focus on being more inclusive however one i think we're probably almost always behind on these things right so um I, I would question if this has been introduced with a veterinarian, um, you know, on board, if it was introduced by the veterinary professionals. Uh, i I just think that that would be interesting, just thought process. Um And then two, you know, I think that while it is super inclusive, We kind of then run a little bit of a disconnect because now we're only talking about canine officers, right? Are we talking about search and rescue? Are we talking about bomb sniffing? Are we talking about only badged canine officers? Um, Are we excluding pets in case of an emergency? So now if you respond to a house fire and this dog is injured and needs emergency care, can you not transport it? Now, but this person's house is burning down and they probably could use your help. Like, so now will we get into a situation where this is so micro and so specific as to who they can help that it may become problematic?
0: Wow, I, I really like this, and and again, you know, the transportation is the part that I think is is really important. And right sure. now, viewfinders, if, you if you're in a state, I'd love to know is that even allowed, as Becky said. So that's that's like the first and most important thing, in my opinion. The treatment, I think, is great idea. I think there probably needs to be some training, some provision, some oversight. I do worry about Becky. It's like, well, what happens? Is there going to be this kind of creeping of, of, you know, expansion of this type of, of action? You know, is that good or bad? Like Becky said, they're on scene. There's a fire. I totally get it. I mean, you know, we did all those CPR trainings, too, back in the day, Becky, donating all those masks and all that stuff to our local, you know, volunteer fire departments. But, you know, again, is it limited to badged? Dogs? I mean, because that seems to be where this is kind of heading. You know, where do we expand from here? And then the final thing, I I love what you said, Becky, is like, how can we keep veterinarians integrated into this conversation? Because I know that the ASPCA was involved with this up there. But, you know, again, what type of oversight, you know, or development from the veterinary community was was involved? I'd, I'd like to know.
1: Yeah, and, you know, and and there's so many questions I have as far as that goes, right? Like where the limits are drawn, what they can and can't do. I mean, when we're talking life saving measures, we're talking life saving measures, save these right. guys. But like, um, are are we talking about innovation? Are we talking about uh, you know simply just getting a catheter in? Are we talking about um, pushing drugs? There's so many different. Um, aspects and, and issues that I think I again I think ultimately I am for EMT I, I I am absolutely for the transporting of these animals I am absolutely for stabilizing care that you know is possible um, I don't think I am for administration of drugs out uh, you know because I can't think of anything really that we give. You know, we don't give steroids anymore to our crashing dogs like we used to. We don't soak our heat strokes in in alcohol. So I can't even really think of anything that they would be pushing, hopefully. Um, but I also, again, I think... Where does the veterinary team lie on this? And how is the veterinary professional being considered in the team of this whole transport and training process? Um, I think there just needs to be more information. And do other states need to be looking at what their processes are currently, just in general, so that they don't have the situation where they don't know what to do when they have their own NERO situation?
0: And, And a couple of quick things, too, about this legislation, because I think it mirrors a lot of the states around the country, is the first... First of all, you know, most of these laws, and again, this is getting back to my beef kind of with how a lot of these small rural police departments take care of their vets. They just say you have to identify a veterinary hospital or a veterinarian who would provide, you know, emergency treatment, right? So identification is not the same as like, you have some type of contract, you know, you're paying whatever in place, like there's a huge difference between saying, Oh, yeah, you know, here's ABC emergency clinic, and that's where you go. Because like you said, Becky, right now during COVID times, or whatever, you know, we're in right now, uh, who knows if they can even take you and what's their level of training? And are they ready? Because nothing is worse than having like a serious, you know, gunshot wound dog show up, right? It does also in this particular bill, it says that that, hey, you know we want to develop these programs, this training out for EMS, uh, EMTs with uh, veterinarians. But again, what does that mean, right? I mean, you know, it's when you pass a bill like this. Well, what does that actually look like? How are you going to ensure that you know that that is it's a proper thing? So I, I always I love I love 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 the intent here. It's just again, as we say, the devil is in the details. And Becky, I think that's really what flagged this for you and me, why we wanted to have this conversation with the Viewfinder family.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, part of me was just really excited um, because it was like, oh, this is fantastic. We got to transport these guys. Two, I was confused because I was like, oh, man, it's illegal to do that. I can't imagine not being able to get a canine officer of all things, you know, of any consideration into an emergency vehicle and where they need for care. Just that that to me seems so essential that I was surprised it it, it didn't even occur to me that you wouldn't be allowed to do that somewhere. Um, And then and then the fact that we need to be looking at how we can make a program like this that could have a lot of great opportunity behind it, um, make it work, work well and and. You know, not have it on the EMTs when things don't go well because they were set up for failure. We want to make sure that we know they're going to be completely prepared and practiced and ready. Um, and, And with all of those caveats, I'm in full support.
0: Absolutely. And again, viewfinders, why this details matter, like, let's just say right now, what this is basically saying is I understand it, you know, that again, we're in draft, it's before the house, whatever, but um, Becky, that means every ambulance in in Massachusetts would have to have like a box muzzle, right? They'd have to have special <laughs> catheters, right? I mean, they'd have to have things that are appropriate for the treatment. So, so guys, that right there is a budgetary issue. So now you're in rural Massachusetts and you've suddenly got to equip, you know, your five Ambulances with all this animal stuff and you're kind of going, What? You know, I don't have money to take care of the people stuff. So I think there's there are a lot of elements here. Like again, the bill doesn't uh, provide any additional funding as far as I could tell.
1: Or is this a police officer thing? Like, so do you have a canine officer and therefore you travel with their emergency kit that has yep. catheters and tape and a muzzle and, uh, you know, an innovation tube and everything that would possibly be needed for that dog in case of an emergency so that whatever ambulance came upon it would be ready to roll for that dog in particular or that life-saving measures maybe could be um, administered before the ambulance got there, right? Like the fire trucks are almost always the first time on the scene. Um, our, our EMTs the only ones? our firemen? We got, we got questions. We, got, <laughs> we, we got lots of questions here. And honestly, if you know, uh, if you're the Massachusetts VMA or you're with the Tech Association, and um, you're involved in this because I would expect the AB, AVMA to be involved in this legislation in some way, uh, let us know. And and if you are part of legislation or understand what goes on in your state and how you handle this, I would love to know too because I think this is really something that uh, could be really important for for people to pay attention to.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is amazing, right? This could be a template for the rest of the country if we do nothing else than say, hey, guess what? You can put police dogs in an ambulance if they're injured. Right. And I will say this, Becky, the draft resolution for Massachusetts, they did go into more details on like decontamination of the ambulance after a dog had been in there than they did on the actual medical treatment and training.
1: I bet you, though, that's all just they're so equipped now because of covid that they could just like pull into these stations and it blows in and like gases them out and things like that. Um it's, it's pretty intense. So they have some some really good measures, but I think that's a good point too, right? I was thinking about that when we were talking earlier is like, what about the zoonotic potentials of it? Like, I understand that these dogs are well cared for and they're police dogs. That doesn't mean that they couldn't possibly um, be a carrier for some kind of disease. And again, just keeping those guys protected. The other thing that popped into my head, um, and I and I and I'm, I'm not trying to circle back or get off track here, but what about the difference between private ambulances So it kind of occurred to me that like most of the ambulances around here are private. Um, And so is this something that would have to be implemented because they're passing a law that we are now requiring private ambulance drivers to have this training?
0: That's a really good point, Viewfinders, because she's right. We've privatized a lot of these emergency services in a lot of the country, especially in the rural areas. And yeah, are they required to to take these animals on i i don't know i mean again a lot of questions super supportive just like okay let's get the details because i think this has i really do think this has the opportunity to be something great and transformative and i think that Again, like Becky always says, this is something to get in front of. We should be really integrated into this, you know, not just one passing line of, oh yeah, we'll have veterinarians develop some of these pro- programs to train EMS. It's like, no, we need to have vets like way before that. We need to have vets and like you know doing every part of this. I think it's really important. And look, guys, you know us. We are so focused on the veterinary community, and we want to promote ourselves every way. But also, there are times when we think our expertise is really needed, and this is one of those that I think we're extra special needed. <laughs> yeah,
1: 100%. And and I'm actually, I'm just really glad it's on the forefront. Uh, you know, I hate that there had to be a loss of an officer in the suffering of a canine officer for this to come to light however at the same time i give kudos to the massachusetts house and senate that is now working on this because you saw a problem you're recognizing animals especially canine officers as being super important yeah. um i hope you guys arm them all with you know uh, bulletproof vests and all the protection you yes. can possibly get them on top of this because they are absolutely officers of the law they're doing great things and you know we We are in full support of of the best care for them. And I think the questions that we have are aligned with ensuring that that's what happens.
0: That's right. So viewfinders, what do you think about this? You know, EMTs treating police dogs, should they be allowed in ambulances? If so, who does the training and oversight? We'd really like to hear your opinions and experiences with this particular topic.
1: Worst case scenario, just send us a picture of your favorite canine officer that comes to your (laughs) clinic because you know they're your favorite. We love those guys so much. You can find us over on Facebook and Instagram at Veterinary Viewfinder. And on Twitter, at VetViewFinder.
0: That's right, guys. Really, stay safe out there. Another one of these exciting topics. uh, Like Becky always says, it's way better for us to prepare for these conversations. And this is one of those, again, rare opportunities where your state right now, you can actually help legislators. You know, this is a feel-good, common-sense measure that I think... Any state would say, okay, well, at least let them put him in the ambulances if the dog is shot or has been exposed to narcotics or whatever. You know, and again, Becky, you, you know, like naloxone, like, like not every state yeah. has really authorized all, you know, even police dog handlers to administer naloxone. Now, obviously, states, most states have, but, you know, this is all baked into that, that bill in Massachusetts. So, again, what about exposure to these narcotics where you can easily administer something in the field? You know, does your state allow that? I mean, these are great questions you find us, We really want to hear from you. Right.
1: absolutely and if anything else just know that this episode is 100 percent in honor of canine partner nero and in memory of police sergeant sean gannon
0: absolutely guys talk to you next week bye
1: bye